Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Open Bar Experience. David Dacker, your host. Who is Giorgio Martinez? Well, if you're in the Texas uh, scene and if you are in the hospitality industry, then you know that she's a flair bartender. More than that, she's a hospitality professional. Um, Jojo is one of those people that early on decided that she wanted to be exactly that, a hospitality professional. She wasn't just doing this until something else came along. She decided that this is what she wanted to do. And I guess until she decides to do something else, she figured I'm gonna, I want to be the best at this. And it was that competitive nature that uh, put her in a position that made her learn uh, skills that are um, incredibly entertaining in our hospitality realm. Uh, some people criticize flair bartending as not real bartending, as juggling, blah, 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 blah. Haters. Fucking haters. The way that competition, most people know competition uh, flair bartending. I'm going to get clarify this here real quick. And that is whenever you see someone on YouTube or, you know, on TV, whatever, that does these long routines where bottles are just flying all over the place and it takes them 10 minutes to make one cocktail. Well, that is for the specific purpose of showing the depth of their, of their, of their skill set. But most flair bartenders will do some flair as they build your cocktails. And it's called working flair. And that is the one that complements your bartending skills, right? And I, some of the bar, flair bartenders that I know usually use it in a way that they cut corners with their flair and are able to be as fast or faster than uh, other bartenders. The world of flair bartending and craft cocktails um, has merged. And so... Jojo is one of those bartenders that have done that. So, you know, she has continually looked at what's next and what's next. And so uh, with her flair, once the craft cocktail thing was was pretty much she saw that it's here and I'm going to have to deal with it. She went ahead and dove into it. And that's how I know her. I know her from the United States Bartenders Guild. And um, during the years that I feel were the most formative years of uh, craft cocktail in Houston, because the community um, started to form. It, it's whenever the elitist, the elitist of the industry of the craft cocktail world in Houston could no longer uh, keep information from uh, the rest of us. And, um, and so those to me are the, the, the true formative years of the craft cocktail scene because it was like you didn't need an invitation. Just show up and uh, let's figure this out. So... Like me, she uh, feels that <clears throat> competitions are a place where you get to um, showcase what you know, but more importantly, push yourself to know more. And um, it, it's interesting how she started off uh, with competitions, which was kind of one of those things of she was tossing one and she was like, all right, let's go. And so I think that I admire that because it takes a certain level of uh, self-confidence and comfort in who you are 
to be able to put yourself in a position to where you might just completely fail more than likely but it's more important for you to learn from the process than it is for you to go and show off and be better than other people be better than everyone else you push yourself to be the best but whenever you start to think of yourself i'm not going to join this competition because you know maybe i won't be better than the other people well then uh, that's a failure right there the success of uh, competitions and the success that i have seen with uh, jojo has been how she has been willing to to be wrong and to fail these small tiny failures right because going to a competition preparing for it and going to a competition and, and let's say you know and not doing well where it might be perceived as a failure i think it's a tiny failure in comparison to how much you gain from the process of preparing for it and that's the beauty of it speaking of competition uh patrick uh patrick uh, abalos from houston texas um congratulations on getting onto the next level of the uh, world-class um competition going national that's badass uh this year they made it super difficult so i know that you must have performed beautifully and i'm looking forward to to hearing uh about it so that said uh let's go ahead and uh get into uh jojo's story so today's guest is um Jojo Martinez from Jay Martini, uh, the flair bartender in Houston, Texas, San Antonio, and uh, anywhere else that you're willing to fly her to, like Hawaii or somewhere like that. Um, Jojo's been uh, around for a while. We've uh, known each other through the USPG and a lot of uh, events we did together uh, several years ago whenever the bar community was forming itself here in Houston. And so uh, she was uh, willing to come and uh, share her story. What was it that got you in the industry? And then aside from that, how'd you end up doing flair bartending? Yeah, so um, whenever I get asked that, I mean, I just start thinking about like high school parties. And for some reason, I would just be drawn to like where all the bottles and juices would be. And so I would just like, you know, I was curious. I would just like put drinks together. The music's playing. We're having fun. People are like, what are you making? You know, and they would just come around and I'm like, taste this, taste this, you know, just having fun. I'm like, wow, okay, cool. And then so fast forward, uh, going into, I had a little stint in college and I just said, you know, I want to, I want to get back behind. I mean, not back behind the bar, but I actually went to bartending school. So I can have some income while I was going to school. And I just caught onto it really fast. And just, I was 21. And then I, I was legal to serve. And from then, I just been serving. It's been almost, almost 18 years already. How'd you get into it? The flare, <clears throat> well, that came, I'd say it was like 2005. 2005, I was working at Pat O'Brien's downtown San Antonio. And I just love like the part of service, like in, during your shift where your whole bar, it's like full. But not only is it just like full, like you have the guests eating out of the palm of your hand. They're just like waiting on your every word, just you got their attention. And I also love when the guests automatically become friends among each other. Mm -hmm. So then we're all just like, yeah, yeah. Like we have all these commonalities all of a sudden. 
And I was like, wow, this is really great. You know, that, that energy, it's just, it feels good. Like it, we're all laughing, we're enjoying ourselves over food and drink. And I thought to myself, what can I do to escalate this even more? I mean, this is awesome, you know? And so I thought, oh, you know, there's that flair. I heard about the flair. Obviously, you know, everybody's seen that movie with Tom Cruise, you know, that's that right away. That's what I have to hear is the Tom Cruise movie. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I was like, oh, there's that flair. So this is actually kind of before YouTube, like before it was like a thing. So I actually searched on the internet and I, I got two flare bottles and then I found this uh, video by Ken Hall and it was like a how-to and, and by the end of the DVD, yeah, it was a DVD. And yeah, I was, I saw the, uh, the movements and I actually caught on to them pretty fast and I was like, okay, well, I'll start doing that. I would go to the bar and I would like get fruit and then I would just try to learn how to juggle that. Like, I guess just studying physics and stuff like that. Well, uh, two weeks into that, I, I learned that pretty well. And, you know, I was trying to kind of do fun stuff. And most of the flair I did at that point was just good service. That's all the flair was, was just service with, you know, just a little extra attention. And I was going around and I was bar hopping with some friends. And I looked in a bay window. We were going to pass up this bar. It's like a strip of bars. And we weren't going to go in there, but I look in the bay window and I see a bartender and I see all these like uh, tins in the air and I'm like, what? Somebody's flaring. And I stopped dead in my tracks. I go, I got to go. I got to go talk to this person. And I actually knew the guy like he actually has stopped by uh, during my shift at Pat O's, like I guess before his shift. I was like, hey, man, you didn't tell me you flared. He's like, oh, yeah. Well, he's like throwing tins in the air and he's like, oh, yeah. And then so, yeah, his name was Peter, Peter Montejano. And, you know, he introduced me. He's like, you know, I was like, please, uh, I'll, what, let me uh, get your number. Uh, can you show me how to because what he was doing was intense uh, compared to my little cute little routine uh, that I learned on DVD. And yeah. I wanted to learn a little bit more. And so sure enough, he gave me his number. 10 a.m. I was in his yard like even though like he probably got home like at 4 a.m. God knows when I was there 10 a.m. didn't care was in his yard I was already warming up like what I knew so yeah so finally he gets up and <laughs> he gets up and um he just like he like the backyard it's like open to whatever he's like go in the backyard that's where I practice and I see the table and he lights up a cigarette and he opens a bottle of Bud Light <laughs> He just woke up and he was like, all right, show me what you got. And then so I was like, all right, all right, cool. You know, like just this giddy little like youngster. Right. And I'm just started showing him. He was like, you know what? You you, you look like you, you got it like you can capture it. And then two weeks later, he puts me in my first flare competition and me. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Like, I don't care. Like, I just want to get in it to try, like just to attempt something different. Like, I always get excited about this type of thing so yeah so um yeah it was exciting two weeks he got me on my first competition um you know this was when hospitality usa sherlock's pubs baker streets and there was like a chain all around the state and so uh that was it they would have it like every six months and i remember the guys over there dave dave yelverton 
was uh, the one that would run them and Nathan Taylor and they would have their judges and it was just so cool. I was so addicted. And to be like the only female that's on the stage sharing with these guys, I had a moment where I was like, you know, this is something significant. You know, this is, I'm passionate about bartending. I'm passionate about, uh, this is something significant. I feel like there's more to this than just throwing, throwing items in the air. And I did the whole circuit. I would follow it around Texas. I would go to Dallas. I would go to uh, Houston. I would go anywhere wherever the, the circuit was. They would go around in Texas. And I would go. Like, even though, like, even if I totally sucked, like, I would practice and I would do my best. And I didn't care. Like, I just wanted to try. And the training, you know, when, when you say yes to a competition, you're forced to practice. So, uh, you know, I just got better over time. But I'll tell you what, like, even over the years of being a competitive flair bartender, I had this stage fright that was crazy, crazy stage fright. And it actually adds to the percentage of just how you're going to perform on stage. And it gets a little weary. So sometimes I would do terrible because just stage fright alone. But, oh, yeah, ask me like during practice when there's nobody watching. Of course, you know, you can do. But that's why it's it's important to kind of like practice in front of people sometimes or like in the park. And sometimes I'm just having a great day and I do very well and I'm just having fun. It's mostly when you just say, when you decide just to have fun. So that's pretty much like how I got into it and, and the flow of getting deeper and deeper into flair bartending. Well, there's a couple of things that I find really interesting about what you said. Uh, one of them is the, uh, the fact that you're willing to jump into a competition, even though you've been doing it for a few weeks. That's pretty ballsy. Um, and then, uh, the other one is the, the notion of, um, just hanging out with people, right. And just, uh, when you're having a good time with your guests, um, and then they're having a good time with one another and it's just like hanging out, but there's still a level of hospitality and professionalism that goes with it. Um, so I, I would imagine that those are the th two things that probably helped you start your own business and go solo into doing events i mean how then did you go first i want to hear a little bit more about how you like pushed yourself through the competition circuit um and then the other how did then the idea of doing events um as your business uh become a thing because you know jumping into your own business and not having a job to show to go and clock into can be a little scary because it's like as soon as you finish a, an event you're out of a job <laughs> and then you finish the next event and you're out of a job again yeah yeah, yeah so <clears throat> so i would be working in bars and it wasn't until I, I had made the move to houston and i was doing service and of course naturally i have uh what we call is working flair Working flare is you're doing real world scenario flare movements, um, but you can keep up with speed. It's just it comes with it, like with your, with like um, the muscle movements. The muscle movements, it, it just it becomes like a routine. It's natural. It flows. Um, so it's just kind of it, it's just something that, yeah, you because you, you've been flaring so much. Like when you're doing real world. Uh, flare because in a lot of competitions there is a working flare part of your routine that is required and you know 
that's going to be with a bottle that's you can decide if you want to do it with a full bottle half bottle whatever but the working flare needs to be done as part of your routine so you're already used to practicing like that so uh, i would take it to work but naturally not trying to like you know because you're if you're in the weeds you're in the weeds you know and but somebody noticed me one time when i was working behind a bar and the woman actually ended up being an event planner and she's like wow like you know she's like wow can I hire you to do an event and I was like yeah sure I thought I thought that was like a fun idea I was like oh yeah so I did and it was a wedding it was uh just a beautiful beautiful layout like I just remember like well first of all like in 2001 I did my first event I was 21 I did my first event, and lo and behold, uh, but I wasn't flaring then. Um, I just happened to get caught for the gig. It was uh, the grand opening of Jaguar and Maserati uh, in, off De Zavala in San Antonio. And I was just, like, amazed with the setup. Uh, back then, this movie, with this blockbuster movie called uh, Never Die Tomorrow, I guess like it's a James Bond with Pierce Bronson yeah. and Holly Berry. So they had a Jaguar. It was like candy green paint. It had like styrofoam, but you could tell it was like styrofoam, but they look like real rocket heads coming out from under the head, like the grill. And then in the back, like what would look like, uh, I guess, like an artillery weapon that's screwed into the back of this convertible Jaguar, like a rocket launcher almost. Uh, so basically it was like the car in the movie or something like that. And that was there. And there was these awesome bars lit up and we were dressed to do like space futuristic stuff. And I was just like, man, this is awesome. Like, yeah, I love working the bars and everything, but dang, it's pretty fun to like work in an imagination. It's pretty fun to like do creative, like just work in a creative environment like that. Like what? And then I remember, I, I don't know why, like, just I always have this, like, knack, this guest, these guests came in. The guests that came in, obviously, are, like, you know, their VIP guests that they're trying to impress. And I'm talking, like, fur coats and diamond rings and, you know, the neckties and suits and, and the fun part. So this is where I got captured with wanting to do more events. Like, it's all, like, it's all quiet, mundane in the beginning. But dang, I'll tell you what, when the DJ's starting to like climax and start peaking, the, the drinks have been flowing, all of a sudden like things were just like crazy. Like the guests were like, I mean, I remember this woman like was freaking one of the servers <laughs> during the music. And I was just like, yeah, like, you know, and just like us, like our personalities just pumping them up, you know, and, and they would just like just have a good time. And that's one of the transitions I always loved about events. So when she said that I showed up to this wedding, I remember it was at 5226 Elm Street. Um, it's right in Bel Air when you get off 610. And, oh man, I just, boom, the layout, beautiful lights, decor, the people, um, just the culture, there were, it was a biracial wedding, the culture involved, like just from the food, from chef driven food on display, from letting me have creative freedom and have my own bar, here's a product, do whatever, and you know, I said, I'll, I just charged her like what I would make at it on a good shift, like on a good day. And she was cool with it. She was just, she just liked the entertainment aspect. 
And I guess I was like, she trusts me enough to for the service. So sure enough, same thing like with that grand opening. It's climatic, you know, it's like it starts and then people I started meeting all these cool people, you know, uh, like really knowing the people of Houston, just vibrant, fun, just these just I can't even explain. It's just all walks of life, but everybody's got personality. Like I'm just hitting it off with people. I'm having a blast. We're partying. We're celebrating someone's love and life. And, but I'll tell you what, uh, the event was over like at midnight. Uh, it was overdone. And I was like, wait, it's midnight. (laughs) It's not even 2am yet. What am I going to (laughs) do with my time? I couldn't believe it. And then honestly, with the tips, uh, with the tips I made that night, like, so it doubled the the pay doubled so i was hooked i was like anything i can do to do more events i'm gonna do it uh i entertained them like when i did the flare people were like wow like the just the expressions i see on the people's faces when it's of course the right time and place for it you know when the dj the music's right everybody's good everybody's got a drink in their hand and then you know you know that flow when you're in the zone at work and it's just like pumping with the right music, the right song comes on. Oh my gosh, like it was just so addicting. And people's reactions, like it's just so awesome because we all know how stressful life can be. We all know like, dang, life is hard. So when it comes to events, like, damn, that's the time to celebrate life. You know, of course, yeah, you're gonna hear that Bruno Mars, you're gonna hear that Black Eyed Peas at of it. You can like, it's almost like predicted. I already know that Black Eyed Peas will play and Bruno Mars. <laughs> but anyway, so that's what I do in events. And I, I just, I guess people catch that. They bring out their phones. They start filming me. They're like, do it again, do it again. And they actually market for me. Like they do the marketing for me. And then they say, they're like, hey, can you do our party? They'll just grab you know they'll grab my card and they'll be like can you do our party and now imagine you know all these eyeballs that are seeing it multiplied by a couple hundred people each time so you know it just runs itself so it's an interesting entertainment factor while you're being served i think that's got to be one of the most interesting things about you for to me is the way that you actually enjoy entertaining people and and I say that within the context of what the craft cocktail uh, environment is. And one of my main critiques of it, even being part of it, has been that people take themselves too seriously. And, I, you know, I was guilty of that for, for a while until, you know, because I've waited tables for a long time where you do have to, you know, entertain people. You don't have to, but I did. I always had a good time with large parties. Party of 20 was mm-hmm. but the perfect size for me because I can be very entertaining with the way I present yes. it. The specials, the way I presented wine, the way I did these things where people were like, felt like they were being pampered. And, you know, whenever you are able to set a good rapport with them, then they're really willing to relax and have a good time with you. And uh, and I lost that a little bit whenever I got into craft cocktails because it was so like you had to learn so much and there were so many different nuances. And then there was the way that, you know, quote unquote, and I'm doing the uh, air quotes mm. <laughs> since you're not seeing me, uh, you know, the way you were supposed to do it. Um, and then, you know, all of the, you know, uh, the pressure of having to do it consistently well and in volume change those things that you were supposed to do. But anyhow, then I realized that I needed to go back to the things that I did well, which was to really just take care of people and, and just have a good time with them. And some of the best bars that I've worked at have been very small. So it's very easy what you're saying to get this person to talk to this person 
you know, hey, you know, they live in the neighborhood too. And, you know, yada, yada, whatever the common thing is. Then all of a sudden they're entertaining themselves and you're going to actually be in the weeds for a little while and they don't even notice it because <laughs> mm -hmm. they're, they're having a good time. Mm -hmm. But like you have always come across as that person that you do enjoy entertaining people and it's it it comes across often in the way that you work and, and the way you go about it, which I think is, is, is great. Um, and I and I think that the flair aspect of it is a skill set very high skill set skill set that is taken for granted and I, and I wish there was more of it in Houston uh, because I find it entertaining when I see working flair well with you know being a career bartender and if you've made the decision that you want to improve you've made the decision that you want to improve yourself and I made a decision, I'm going to be a bartender. I want to be the best bartender I possibly can be. And that was a decision. So what that means for me every day, what can I do to improve myself? Um, the move to Houston was very, like, it was the smartest decision I made because uh, I was in a place back in my hometown that was not very, like, you know, it was kind of, I was having a rough time. And my aunt's like, move out here. You know, you need a change. And, and I was like, you know what? There's nothing holding me back. Young, single, I'm a freaking bartender, <laughs> you know? So I was like, I'm going to, you know? So I did. And then that's where the craft started rolling in. So at that point, I was already like 10 years in the career. And um, right away, like it was easy to get a job. I got a job at a, at a high volume bar on Washington and right away like they saw my resume and they're like yes they also wanted me to help in a sister project they were opening a another bar and but right away of course I'm trying to visit all these bars and really get a, a grasp on what Houston hospitality is like and going to other bar programs and checking it out and it's like wow I'm just amazed like just of course you know the trends that were were high in an effect and I was like wow this is so awesome so I started just researching more and more on my own and uh, you know that's when I would hear like names of Del DeGroff started coming up and um, I started you know the the whole everything's got to be high quality more fresh more more you know there's more history to it and that's I was like perfect you know and I I was helping opening that new bar putting some of those elements in there because I hadn't done like total craft when I moved here. So, but obviously I knew there was a, a change in the climate happening. And so we did the bar opening. Great. Um, it just didn't really go off too much. It wasn't, it didn't just didn't, wasn't busy, but there was a local restaurant bar that I would go visit in between while I was working. And it was, a really nice really nice place and that bar the cocktails I was like wow this is beautiful this is amazing these drinks are, are just gorgeous and it just so happened as after time went by you know I made friends with those bartenders I was a regular and I said hey you know I might be interested in a part-time position and the bartender was like yes like we can yes you would be great and so the beverage director for, for that place was Chris Sowell, and that was at Copa. 
and I was just and yes it was a it was a different direction um not that the, it was like not about like having freedom or anything anymore but there was a more stern way a more like like let's focus on the product let's focus on the technique and we need to make sure that this is executed you know in a proper way and there's so much to stay on top of and the seasons and so much of history and starting to so I started I guess it was like almost like going back to college basically and so I just you know I it was just a new way like a new way to discover how I had to respect what I was doing a new way of you know with Chris's direction it was a it's a serious yeah it's, it is a serious thing you know because now I'm in Houston and the culinary the culinary like presence here is is a real thing. It's like, oh, it's almost like Hollywood, like culinary Hollywood. You know, I mean, yeah, people are watching. What are you doing? What is this restaurant doing? What is this bar doing? So yeah, like first impressions are everything. And that's where it can like, but Chris has always told me, she, you know, we did great. You know, she would give me tests and it was awesome. It was so much fun. But yeah, sure enough, like my, my personality would come out with the guests and stuff and, um, so I just kind of had my own style and everybody had their own style, you know, and, and that was cool. So it was like, you know, superheroes, everybody has their own, like their, their certain power that they have. And so Chris, had, you know, to this day, she's like, you always like, it was always like, you always like got really personal with the guests, you know, and with that, you know, and just trying to make friends at the bar, I guess. I, I'm not sure, but that was just my style. Like, Hey, what's up? <laughs> like, uh, but don't get me wrong. I mean, there's there was like some days I have bad days, too. You know, like I'm not in the mood. But, you know, work is like you're going to work half your life. You got to show up to work. And I mean, it wasn't always it's not always like, you know, yeah. so I'm having bad days. And then maybe I won't be talking that much that day. But, yeah, I get it. You know, I've always liked enjoying other people's stories. I always enjoyed these walks of life that would just come from anywhere in the world. And I mean, it's a no brainer for me, like my sales were always solid. I always, you know, because I think they trust you, like guests trust you there to go out to restaurants and bars like this is a luxury service. It's, it's a luxury because you're spending money and it's not a necessity, but you're there. So service has to be good because these people work hard just like you and they're trusting you with their money. They want to give you their money. And once you give them the reason, you know, they'll try anything that you recommend. So I'm really thankful for, for that. And that's how that craft really started in my career. And then there you go. And then I discovered there was craft competitions and I, I lost my mind again. And I was like, <laughs> what? Let's do it. Like, you know, just having fun. And that's where you really find you're upping the ante with your with your career and improving yourself as a bartender, especially in competitions, because I think honestly, I do like doing competitions because I am forced to train. I am forced to study, learn, train, and it's awesome. You did speed rack. Yes, yeah, speed rack, speed rack, uh, 2014. It was season three, season three. So I heard about it through the grapevine all of the girl bartenders, uh, you know, talking about it. And I saw some videos and 
my my coworker then, uh, Kaylin, um, Kaylin Self, uh, she she entered it second season, I believe. And I went to San Antonio to go support her, like to go check it out. And and it was awesome. I was like, wow, that's so awesome. And then the next and the next year they did it again. So I was like, ah, then let's have some fun. Let's do it. Like this, I guess, is right up my my alley. So um, looking into it, wow, it's an incredible. I guess if you look at it, it's kind of complex because it's basically a database of like sixty five, maybe seventy five classic uh, craft cocktails. And so these very um, well-known judges in the industry are there. And there's four of them. And you don't know what they're going to ask for. So it's four different cocktails out of, like, who knows what they're going to ask for. So to prepare, you need to know these cocktails. Like, freaking, like, know them the back of your hand. I had about two months to train when I got accepted to compete in speed rack. And I was really excited and they send you the specs. They give you the email, hey, you're in, you know. So um, got the specs and I saw the cocktails. It was, I think it was about like 65 cocktails. And I was like, hey, here we go, you know. And because like, I re- did really well in school, like really well, 3.8 GPA, magna cum laude. And so that's what it was for me. It was the research and the falling in love with history and and I got really, I kind of got out of hand, even though I was actually serving when I entered and I would do events. And I remember serving, I was serving at a restaurant, but I wasn't a bartender. And because I'm hospitality all around, like I'll serve, I mean, hell, I mean, I'll do dishes, the host, if the host doesn't show up, I'm just that type of person. Like I'm versatile in, 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 a, in a restaurant because I love it. Like that's the restaurant life. Yeah, right. So yeah showtime and that the preliminaries were held in austin so that was considered like the south the the because they do regions around the united states so now they're international but yeah it's they were in austin that that season so i remember you know the houston crew like just behind me like yeah good luck like you know everybody's gonna be there and it's gonna be crazy and i'm like wow this is awesome driving out to austin And I'm like, I think I'm ready. Who knows? But you know what? Let's have fun. Let's just have some fun. You know, that's because that's what I do. I like to have fun. Like, you know, that's just I hope to represent, you know. Um, Yeah. So I made it to semifinals, though, uh, that day. But so I forgot what two girls. Was it Trina and Elizabeth? I believe it was Elizabeth. And then so, yes. So New York. Elizabeth uh, from San Antonio gets to go to New York, but then there's a wild card. So you have to pick uh, the, the, it's voted by the public um, out of the people on the stage, out of all the competitors on the stage, they vote who goes to represent as the wild card winner. Right. So you go compete at the, the main finals in New York City. So I won the wild card and yeah, showed up to New York and see, like, I didn't, I didn't end up on top eight in New York, but it's okay. It was a hell of a freaking experience. Like the room, oh my gosh, the people filled in this room. Like (laughs) these were people that you remember cocktail of the day study that I would do. Okay. These are all people I saw in all those videos, right? They're all there. And I'm like, wow, like I love this shit. 
Like, I love it so much. So it was a great experience. It was amazing. I also did 2015. Oh, was it 2015, 2016? 2016. Um, season five. And that one was in San Antonio. Made top eight again, uh, but didn't didn't go too far. Um, but it's just, damn, it's just so much fun. It's I love it. It's just, it just <laughs> gets you, got your nerves going. You're just like, woo! So. So then pretty soon, uh, I hope that you uh, come by Lockwood Station and uh, oh, yeah. pick up a shift or two whenever you can. Mm-hmm. Um, show me how to toss a bottle and catch it. <laughs> at least toss a bottle and make sure that I don't drop it uh, or hit my head uh, with it. I've done that, you know. Try to do flare and, and end up with the bottle right on my forehead. <laughs> So uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Um, anything else you want to share? Oh, I just uh, thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure. You know, I always love this these chats with you. So it's pretty no-brainer to just come and talk about it to people who probably are obviously in the same situations as well. So pretty helpful. This is really cool. But thanks for having me. So that was my conversation with Giorgio Martinez, San Antonio native. And speaking of San Antonio, this is the last weekend of March, which is the uh, United States Bartenders Guild Southwest Conference. Uh, I won't be able to make it this year. It is uh, not in the cards for me, but I'll be there in spirit. I hope uh, you all have a safe and fun time. It starts on Sunday, the 31st. It goes through Wednesday the 4th. The 4th? The 3rd. The 3rd. Maybe it's Thursday the 4th. Anyways, look at the schedule. It'll uh, it'll let you know. Uh, tomorrow, the March 30th, is going to be the Houston Whiskey Social. Um, that is happening at uh, Citadel Houston uh, off of Kirby. So, this Sunday and every Sunday you have a pop-up over at uh, the Cottonmouth. Uh, they've been inviting uh, bartenders to come on by and do their thing in their space. They have a uh, great loft-type bar uh, upstairs. They have the uh, downstairs bar, <clears throat> which is, uh, to me, you know, old-school cocktail lounge. I mean, if, if, if that's a thing for you, if, if you remember that. Uh, I think you will thoroughly enjoy it. And, of course, a shit ton, a, a Texas shit ton of uh, whiskey. Russell is there, and Russell is um, taking care of that. Um, I've had, uh, hopefully I'll have him on the show pretty soon. Uh, we've had a conversation about, uh, you know, it's time for Houston to uh, get rid of the jigger. Okay. Uh, yeah. Craft cocktail, guys. Um, you can make a good fucking cocktail without a jigger. All right. So do you really need it? Going to explore that in the uh, next episode um, because, uh, hey, you're wasting time, bruh. Homegirl. That said, remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other and keep the conversation going. <laughs>